0: Time. And we've been doing little segments throughout the book of John, having little mini series. And so this starts a new one today in chapter 9. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along this, this morning, we're going to be in John uh, chapter 9. This little series we're calling Jesus' Final Statements. And you'll go back and start off with the Gospel of John, the very beginning of the Gospel of John. John said in the beginning, and then in verse 14, he talks about the word becoming flesh. And that he dwelt among us. And that word, being dwelt among us, means that he, that he moved into the neighborhood, that he kind of took up residence. In John 1 4, we find the reason why he came, where it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And today, we're coming to a section of John's story where Jesus specifically states what. Uh, what John states in chapter 1, which is, says, I am the light of the world, and in him was life. Not life like you and I understand life, when we basically, it's eternal life, that where there's no beginning and there's no end. It's not tainted by death, it's unaffected by sin. All of us are living a life that's finite. There's a beginning and there's an end to our life that has been corrupted by sin either by sickness or death or illness or that kind, that kind of stuff, or things that you have done or things that have been done to you. So when John speaks of Jesus having life, he speaks of an entirely different life than you and I can relate to. He speaks of an eternal life, an uncorrupted life, that life which is the light of mankind. It is a thing that, that gives us hope, it's a thing that we long for, that hopefully that we will have. The one day that we will take that we can taste, but because life we have right now is not exactly that, and so he speaks in this metaphoric term in this metaphoric light. As we come to this passage today, when Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, it's important. It's an important metaphor because the guy he's gonna be, we're gonna be talking about today that he's working with is he's gonna heal him from being blind. And so if you would open up your Bible to chapter 9, or if you want to follow along on the screen behind me, let's start in verse 2. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, whose sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so if you can picture this individual who was born blind, it was congenital. You know, and he would sit on the road on a daily basis and he would beg for money. You know, he can't work, he can't employ himself, there's not really any educational system where he can help himself or to have a better life for himself. So he's, he's marginalized and he's relegated to the sidelines of, of society. And he sits and he begs to try to make a living, make money. And so as they're traveling down the road, um, they are thinking theologically. And it's an interesting question that they ask, you know, any of us ask, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, it's just a theological question that they've asked Jesus and they're looking at him and it's like, hey, who sinned? Was it the guy that was blind? Is it he that sinned or is it his parents who sinned? You know, so he's been there a while, he's been begging for a while, and there's a story about him. The disciples kind of know who he is, they know that he's been blind from birth, and they were just kind of curious. It's not this real compassion for this guy. They're just wondering kind of theologically who sinned. Because there was an understanding in the sin, that sometimes when there was sin, there was something someone had done something wrong. So verse three, Jesus answers them and he says, This. As Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, I don't know what it's like to be blind. I've been in dark places, dark rooms. I don't know, in the middle of the night when you get up to go to the restroom. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know where I'm at. Or if you've been in a really dark place where it's kind of scary, or you feel a little bit lost, And this guy, he's blind, and basically, the difficulty that has happened to him is basically, Jesus says, so the work of God might be displayed. Jesus says, Who sinned? No, no one sinned. It's just so the the work of God might be displayed in him. You know, when bad things happen, I don't know about you, in my humanness, a lot of times I want to know why, you know, if bad things happen to me, I'm like, What did I do, God? Help me out here. We have this humanness about us that when bad things happen to us, we think it's because God's mad at us or he's, we did a bad thing that day. But the blind man, you know, the blind man, he's, he's because that the work of God might be displayed. And so this blind man and our journey are kind of similar. And, and this guy didn't sin, but there's darkness. And the question I have for you this morning is, do you believe that God is your hope? Do you believe God is your hope, that in him is life, and the kind of life that your soul longs for, the kind of life that you're not getting anywhere else? You know, it's the light. If you're in the midst of it, in an extremely dark place, whether you're in the woods the deserts, or whether you're in the forest or whatever it is, you're pretty stoked when the light's turned on, to have someone illuminate that place. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Now, do you believe that your dilemma, whatever it is in life, do you believe that your dilemma is an opportunity for God to shine? Whether it's habitual sin or whether it's something that you're born with, whatever it is, is an opportunity for God to display his work in you. An opportunity for him to say, I'm going to show the world that I am the light of the world. I'm going to do it through you, through your situation in life. Whatever your circumstance is, whether it's a sin or not, that I'm going to shine in you that I am the light, that I am the hope. You know, this is an incredible statement that he makes to his disciples, but it's also as well to us he's making. I you know that we all sit here with some aspect of blindness or some kind of dilemma in our life that Jesus speaks into and that he becomes the hope of or can be. You know, verse six says this, it says, having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. You know, Jesus seems to always kind of be messing with these guys that are questioning him. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, we were looking at the woman caught in adultery, and they brought him and threw him at Jesus' feet. And he's there, and he's talking, and all of a sudden he gets down on the ground, and he starts drawing in the sand. And we're like, what did he do? No, we still don't know what he did. He drew in the sand a couple times. And today, some guy blind comes to him. He, gets, he looks down on the ground. He spits on the ground and makes some mud. I don't know. He's probably trying to make these guys like, angry or something. But he spits on the ground, makes mud. He puts it in his eyes. You could just see the people like, that were sitting there watching. Like, hey, man, I don't know. But he spat in the ground, put it in his eyes, and the guy could see. You could see these guys opportunists trying to come along, trying to do the same thing, going, hey, I think it worked for him. Maybe it'll work for us. And for hundreds of weeks, people are going around spitting. But he does this, and no one really knows why, but he sends them to the Pool of Siloam. And the Pool of Siloam, it says that it means, in the scripture that we just read, it says it means sent. And it's not by accident that John uses this word, because throughout the Gospel of John, you will hear this. Because God is sending his people into the world. And John says... Basically, it says that the reason I'm writing the gospel is so that you will believe. And he speaks over and over again in the gospel of John throughout it that God sent his son. That God sent his son. That God sent his son. And the flip side of that, when he's, God sent his son, now he's sending people that he's impacting. So when he impacts you, God sends you and me. You know, Matthew states that you, basically that we are the light of the world. That God works that, through us to be light to the world. And there's this sense that John's alluding that this man, you know, he sends him to the pool of Siloam, that he's sending him now. And you will see this as this story unfolds, as we look at it this morning, that he's creating incredible chaos. Because the story of this whole thing points back to Jesus, and something that Jesus did and that the people have to deal with. You know, his life lifts up the reality of who Jesus really is, that only God could do this, that only God could heal a blind man, and people are having to figure out what they're going to do with Christ. So verse 8 says this, it says, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, it's someone that looks like him. And he he. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud. I wonder if he realized that he actually spit in the mud at this particular point. Made mud, and anointed my eyes and said to him, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And so you have these people that are trying to figure out what's going on here and you have the neighbors that are kind of living in that neighborhood and going, isn't that the blind guy? Isn't that the guy that sits on the road all the time? And, and the others are saying, like, no, it's just someone that looks like him. It couldn't have been him because now he can see and That guy was blind, I don't know. And the blind man's saying, it's me. I, it is me. And they're like, well, then how were your eyes opened? And they said, he says, the man called Jesus He put mud in my eyes, he anointed me, and he sent me over to the pool of Siloam to wash them out. He said, I washed them out and now I can see. They're like, well, where is this man? He's like, I I don't know where he's at. But Jesus just kind of touches down, he shows up, he lights up this guy's world, leaves the guy to tell the story. And the people are freaking out about it, they don't know what to do about it. You know, do you have an area, a question for you is do you have an area in your life where you can say God showed up? That God showed up. Where you say God did that, I couldn't, I couldn't pull that off myself. And he had to meet me here, he touched my life, he healed me, he forgave me, and whatever it is. And whatever that is, do you, do you let that be told? Do people know what that is? You know, a lot of times we are really good at privatizing our faith. And God shows up and he does something really cool and we don't tell anybody. You know, it's like this guy, he's blind and he can see and he kind of runs in the corner, doesn't let anybody know. He's like, ah. And he he stays away from everybody so no one will know. And the purpose is that Jesus says, I want to display the work of God in your life. I want the world to see that you were blind and now that you can see. I want you to display that. You know, I take a minute here for a second. I asked uh, Ben Cahoon if I could use a piece of his art, but you don't know if Ben's going to graduate this year as a singer, as uh, it's Aaron and Trudy's son. I'm super proud of them. They would never probably tell you this on stage, but I'll tell you, actually, he was named most outstanding male at the high school this week, and you probably saw him in the parade as a homecoming, not homecoming, that's me, huh? The roadie parade, the roadie king, and I think he was something else like prom king, but the guy's incredibly, I mean, he got a lot of awards, but he's an incredibly good kid. He's a really good kid, and he's incredibly talented. And this is, I asked him for a piece of art. I said, something that you're proud of, and he, he gave me this one. But he has, if you go to Old Town this week, Old Town Coffee Place, he has some of his ceramic stuff. But you know, this piece of art, it's, he's, he's drawn it, and he's, and he's proud of it. And when he does this art, he puts it on display. You could ask Aaron and Trudy any end of the week. They'll show you stuff that he's done, because they're proud, and they put it on display, But can you imagine that he gets done with some of his art, or maybe whatever it is, and he takes it and he's like, you know, I I really, it's good, but I'm gonna not let anybody see it. I don't want you to see it. Don't look. And guy, you know, it's like it's kind of ludicrous. And that's that's art. And God's looking at us, saying, you know, you guys are humans. I do some pretty incredible things in your life, and I want you to display them, to see exactly what I've done, so that people can see who I am. And God's doing some pretty incredible things in people's lives, and he's saying, "Put it on display. Don't turn it around so no one can see it. Now even if you're sitting here this morning, he's like, "Has not done really anything incredible, but if he's forgiving you, if he forgave you for your sins? That's a godlike act. To say, I'm going to cleanse you from your sins, I'm going to make you holy. You're not making yourself holy. He's made you holy, He set you apart. And that's a godlike act. And He says, I want you on display, I want, to, I want you to put your life on an easel so that people can see and marvel at it, so that I could see, the people could see what I've done. And so that people will ask questions and understand that I'm alive and well. I want people to look and see what's going on in your life and say to themselves, what am I going to do with this, God? To ask themselves a question. It's like, I don't know, but he's doing some incredible things in people's lives that I'm looking around. I don't know. You know, either the person's lying to you about God... Or they weren't really struggling with the addiction or weren't really struggling in life or weren't really struggling with the things they were going through or the circumstances they were in. You know, for some of you, God isn't going to come in and heal and fix you up real well, but maybe he's just the grace to overcome your sin. And the joy that you show in your life in the midst of difficulties, people are going to have to look at that and go, you know, there's something different about that person. Where where does it come from? And you're going to have to say it comes from God. This isn't something I made up. It's not something I do on my own. God did this in my life. There's so many times God does some pretty cool things in our lives. You know what? I'm going to maybe turn it around and not let people see it. I'm going to hide it. I don't want anybody to know it. I don't want anybody to know about it. I don't want anybody to talk about it. I don't want anybody to share At The old church I was at in California, I asked this lady if she would give a testimony one Sunday morning, and I said, hey, I go, would you give a testimony today, or next week at church? And she's like, I don't know, Mike, I'm going to have to pray about that. And I said, so you're going to have to pray to God and ask him if you can, like, brag about him, what he's done in your life, display what he's done in your life. And she's like, ah, I hate you. But it's kind of like saying, I want to take the beautiful work of God, but I don't want it to be displayed. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and I want you to reflect that. And verse 13 says this, he says, they brought to the Pharisees a man who had formerly been blind. That was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed, and I see. You know, the Sabbath day, Jesus, you know, Jesus kind of loved to mess with the Pharisees here. He got this wild hair, you know, that he was gonna do something. And he, so John, if you look through the book of John, whenever he did miracles, he usually did these things. He would heal people on the Sabbath day. And these were man-made laws. And the Sabbath day was basically set aside for us, for holy, kind of the rhythm of your week to stop what you're doing and to remember God. It was kind of done after creation. He created, um, in six days, he worked for six days. And on the seventh day, he took a rest it's just a reminder to worship him and to love your family and friends. But the whole idea of Sabbath came from creation. And so when Jesus shows up, these guys are saying, you're, not, you're breaking the Sabbath. And the creator of the universe is going, yeah, it's my day. But Jesus just loved to do that. because the irony that John wants us to see is that, you know, he's break, breaking the Sabbath. He's breaking his own rule. And the Pharisees were holding them to this law. But before we let, you know, we sit there and look at all those Pharisees are bad guys, a lot of times we're like the Pharisees. A lot of times we hold up the law and we tote the law. And we stuff God down in our lives and we don't want people to see him because we don't, you know, maybe we don't want people to know that it's grace. Maybe we want people to think that we're righteous. or Maybe we want people to think it's because of ourselves. And the reason we can't say, man, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be alive, I wouldn't know what to do, I wouldn't know what to make of my life, I couldn't make it through the day, is because you don't want to come across as weak. You don't want people to think that, you know what, I'm not all that. And that's how the Pharisees thought, and that's how a lot of the Christians think today. You you contrast that with the blind man. The blind man basically... Looked at Jesus and said, he healed me. But you know what? A lot of us, when Jesus comes into our lives and does things in our life, you know, we're kind of cool. We're a little bit self-righteous. collected. I'm educated. I got my job. I don't want everybody to know what's going on. It's between God and I. I don't want everybody else to know. That's how the Pharisees were. They were just self-made religious people. Then verse 15, which I read to you already, about. read it again. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I wash and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who was a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So you can picture what's going on. The work of God is being displayed in this life before all the people. It's on display, and they're sitting there saying, what, we're, what are we going to do with this situation? Either this guy, we've got to discredit this guy because he's a liar and make him out to be a liar, or we've got to discredit Jesus and say that he's a sinner because there's no other way to look at this for it to be kosher for us. And so they have to deal with Jesus. And the issue is that they have to deal with Jesus. They have to try to figure it out. Once God does a work and he gets put on display, it causes people to consider God, to think about what they believe about Jesus. And that's really what Jesus wanted. He wants his people to be sent out to the world and to start open conversations about who Jesus is. Verse nineteen. It's kind of comical here. He says and asks him, He says, "Is this your son?" To the parents, "Who do you uh, is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see?" His parents answered, "We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself." And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out, put out of the synagogue. Therefore, the parents said, he's of age, ask him. And so they asked him, hey, we know this is our son, and we know that he's been born blind, but how he now sees, we have no clue. And it says in the scripture there that they kind of knew what was going on, but there were significant things that could have happened to them. They would be cast out of the synagogue. And if you cast out of the synagogue, it means that it's economic. There's an economic thing going on, there's also a social thing going on. And their lives could be turned upside down if they actually speak. And so they're like, hey, it's kind of like he's 18, talk to him. It's his life, deal with him. And so they. So he says, he's of age, and so they talk to him again. And so verse 24, they go back to him for the second time, and they, they called him to the blind man and said, give glory to God, for we know this man is a sinner. And so they're trying to look at this guy going, hey, glorify God, not this guy. And they're to throw this theological sword at him, and he's like not having it. And then verse 25 says, he answered. He says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you will not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Ouch. And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why This is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. So he's like now preaching a sermon to those guys. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not do anything. He could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Like, who are you? You're a, you're a sinner. We're not listening to you. And they don't know where he comes from and Jesus shows up and they try to kick him out. You Can imagine that? You, you accept Christ, so you, you start to believe in Christ and all of a sudden the church kicks you out because you, they have something against you because he's displaying God's glory. And the question I have for you today, another one is, are you bold enough to say God has done something in your life? Are you bold enough to say God's done something in your life? You know, when you share your story, when God shows up, you can't expect everyone to pat you on the back. I remember when I used to, as a youth pastor, I used to take kids to camp. And kids at camp would, through the week, they would they ended up accepting Jesus because God showed up in their life. And they would, they would come home, and they come home to this family that no one there, were Christian, their parents weren't Christians, or one of them wasn't a Christian. And they were like, they weren't having it. They're like, no, no, you ain't having that here. And it was, it was tough. Because they were all excited on one day that Jesus showed up, and over here, they're less than excited. And that happens. You know, in America, it's kind of easy sometimes to be a Christian, because no one's really saying anything, but if you go to a Muslim country and you try to accept Jesus, it could mean deaf. You know Jesus showed up in this guy's life, and the beautiful thing about it, it wasn't his own work. He was born blind. You know, he was born blind. He says, there's nothing I could do about it. It just was fixed one day. I had nothing I could do to fix it. There was nothing I could do to save it. He just showed up. You know, last week, we had a, if you were here, we had a couple testimonies, one from Carol and one from Kathleen, and, and they talked about how God showed up in their lives and what he did in their lives and how he continued, Kathleen talked about how he continues to show up. You know, what aspect of God's healing in your life are you putting on display Are you talking about it? Are you grateful for it? Are people around you having to grapple about it because they're like, I don't know, there's something different in this person. I don't know what it is. And verse 35 says this. It says, Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he, sir? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. And the blind man, he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus shows up in the blind man's life. He heals him. He can see now. And the response to that was what? That he worshiped him. The proper response when God shows up in your life is that is gratefulness. You contrast that with some of the times how we worship, all of us. That sometimes we kind of were like the Pharisees that, you know, we're okay. Everything's all right. Has God done anything in your life? I don't know. And the reason is that we could disconnect from what we were saved from. We disconnect from what He saved us from. You know, it's healthy to remember why He died for us, it's healthy. And coming to worship, you know, I was blind. But Christ lit up my life. I was blind, but now I could see. And the question that John's wanting us to answer is this: is, do you want to worship like the blind man who was healed, or are we going to worship like the Pharisees who have it all together? You know, the blind man was able to see. And are you willing to say, "God, your work is going to be put on display in my life, and let that speak? Whatever he did in your life, that the people around you might believe because of what he did through you, that they might have hope, that they might trust. You think about this in your life, who needs to hear the story? Who do you need to talk to this week to say, you know what? This is what he's done in my life. Not a preachy thing, because you look at this guy, the blind man, he didn't have any intentions. He's not a preachy guy. He's like, hey, I don't know. One day I was blind, and now I can see. Well, come on, tell us more. What's what's going on? He's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the Bible that well. I don't know a whole lot. All I know is that I was this, and now I'm that. And for all of us, we, sometimes we think we need to know a whole lot. You got a story. I don't know. All I know is that I wasn't very peaceful, and now I'm peaceful. I don't know. I was going down this one road, but now I'm going down this other road because he showed up in my life. I can't tell you anymore. I'm not going to preach a sermon. I can't even t- lead a Bible study, but I can tell you this, that I was here and now I'm here because of what he's done. He's changed me. And are you going to let that be displayed. And maybe this morning you're here, you're like, you know what? I haven't let him show up yet. Maybe I need to make some more room for him in my life. Maybe I need to look at this a little bit closer. And the question, blind, they're asking the blind man, who is this? And he says, I don't know. I was blind. All I can tell you is now I can see. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for showing up in our lives. And...